0: No, I am your father. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist.
1: You're listening to After the Ending, the only film podcast where we tell you what happens after the ending of your favorite films. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Spring and Phil Edwards. Hello and welcome to After the Ending. I'm Mike Spring.
0: And I'm Phil Edwards.
1: And we are happy to be here tonight. Uh, we took a week off last week because here in the US it was the Thanksgiving holiday. There in England it was Thursday. Yes, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. We'll let was you it... have your Thanksgiving time. Yeah. Was it at least a
1: good Thursday for you, Phil? Uh,
0: it was a forgettable Thursday. I, think. Right. I can't remember what I did on Thursday. I was probably thankful. I was thankful for friends, family, food
1: but also thankfully you didn't have to get together with all of them at the same time maybe yeah. like you know yeah, yeah. that's fair that's yeah. fair well we are back now and uh we have a fun episode queued up for you guys tonight phil do you want to tell people what we're talking about in tonight's jam-packed episode
0: yeah we're going to be mixing things up with the order so diehard fans can go Ugh.
1: but uh, we're going to be going after the
0: ending of 1985's clue which is still called Clue over in the UK, even though the board game that it's based on is called Clue in the US and Cluedo over here.
1: That's what's it called it. over there? Cluedo. Cluedo. Yeah, it's yeah. not even a word.
0: I know, but that's what they called it a one reason. word, or is
1: it like Clue? Like no, it's uh, it's, it's it's all one
0: word: Clue. Cluedo.
1: Weird.
0: That's what we know. It's what's it, no, it's weird that you call it Clue. But anyway, yeah, but that's an
1: actual word. I don't know. If is there. a word. Cluedo is nothing. That doesn't hey, mean I, anything. I don't I'm not a game designer. I just play him. <laughs> All right. And that's why I'll give you watch. look, I'll give you soccer for I'll give you American you know, football and soccer. You guys win that one, right? But Cluedo? No. No, you lose on that one. I'm sorry. That's terrible.
0: Well, we've got, we've got uh, Cluedo. Cludo MonopolyO. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what do you call Play Doh? Just played? Per. Or Play Doh do Okay. Per. Anyway. Okay,
0: yeah, so we're going right. to go after the ending of Clue, we're going to be uh, changing the order, we're going to be talking about our top five movie pet peeves, which may end up being a bit more than five each, but we'll see, we'll be doing our recommendations, and then we're going to be talking about Ghostbusters as a whole, but also Ghostbusters Afterlife, so we'll leave that at the end of the show, because we'll probably have some spoilers in there for the new film, so
1: you've been warned. Yeah. We want to get everything out of the way first. That way, if you just want to see us talk about everything, but you don't want to have any spoilers for Ghostbusters, you can listen to the entire episode and then just stop it when we get to Ghostbusters and you won't miss anything else. Uh, But if you've seen Ghostbusters, then stick around because we're going to talk about the new movie as well as just the franchise as a whole. Um, And and there may be some spoilers. So uh, we'll have some fun with that. Um, But the first thing we're going to do is we're going to go be after the ending of Clue. Phil. Are you a clue fan? Are you a clue fan? I'm going to call it clue. I can't get into this whole clue thing well, again. You just blew my mind with that. But, yeah, but.
0: I just also forgot to say, though, if you're watching on Facebook Live, you can leave comments on the uh, the video where you're watching it right. and we'll be able to see them and we Please can do. respond to them so you can join the discussion so you think about this and so on. But yeah, clue. I I really like the film. I think mm-hmm. it's one of the best board game adaptations as ever been.
1: <laughs> That's, I mean, admittedly a low bar, right? I oh, mean, how, yeah, many, how many are there? But uh, So now I don't know, are you damning it with faint praise or do you actually really like it?
0: Uh, no, I really do like it. I, th- I okay. think it's hilarious. It's got a great cast, an amazing cast, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just very, very funny. It's a, it's a very smart script. Uh, plays on all the different archetypes of, well, comedy, mystery, murder mystery, and so on. All, all the like, It's got the femme fatale, all those different things as well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's full of cliches, but it does them in a good way. Yeah. Uh, I, I also liked there was an episode of Psych where it yes. was uh, – riff on clue it was basically the same thing it had loads of quotes had loads of the same actors in it which was amazing so yeah i really really like the film i think it's really clever i love the fact there's multiple endings yes and it's it's always uh, worth a watch because there's always jokes that you've forgotten about or you've missed and things like that Mm -hmm. because it's so so fast and so clever what about you what do you think of it
1: uh i i feel largely the same i um uh, it's funny when it, I remember when the movie came out, I watched, I think I saw it on video. I don't think I saw it in theaters uh, and I loved it. And over the years, it has definitely gained like a, not a cult following. Cause it, you know, but like just, it's one of those movies that people always, whenever you mention the movie clue, everyone's like, Oh, I love that movie. It's a great movie, but I had not seen it since it came out like back in the eighties until just a couple months ago. Um, because my daughter was doing uh, the school play, which they were doing. And uh, a clue has been turned into like a school play that you can, license which is very complex for oh, okay, a, yeah. a high schools. and for some reason they decided to do it in like three weeks which is just ridiculous and they pulled it off quite well but it's a very complicated show to pull off in that time but we thought okay if you're going to be in the show Clue you should probably watch the movie right so you can kind of you know understand it and, and just have the, the groundwork for it. so we watched it again um just maybe two three months ago and I and I really really enjoyed it and I and I remember again I remember liking it I just had not ever rewatched it in all that time so uh I really enjoyed it like you said great cast um really just fun just such a unique vibe and energy and just like sort of it it really harkened back to like the screwball comedies of like the 30s which i always enjoyed um not that i was around for them originally but you know the ones (laughs) i've seen since then um yeah it's it's a fun movie well made uh well put together you know and and just a lot of fun so yeah yeah i like clue so that's what it popped into my head when we were talking about what movie to do and i said hey we've never done uh an ending for clue so now we're going to clue no Clue, no. do an ending. I can't do it. I, I can't I, 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 I,
0: I When you said, uh, you said do clue, and I went, yeah, that sounds great. And it was only like about half an hour afterwards. or suddenly we went, oh no, it's got multiple endings. Oh no.
1: <laughs> well, but it, on the one hand, you could say then that it really opens it up to you could gives you more options because you can follow any ending you want, right?
0: True, true. But that's it's very true. But I think as well, what I was reading about it, the different endings, when it was initially on the cinema, I I love the fact this is why it does have multiple endings. They uh, sent out a different ending to different cinemas.
1: Yes, that's what I understand as well.
0: I I think they should do that more often because imagine that like you're talking to some friends going, "I want to see this film, Clue. Oh, the ending like that. And some, oh, I right. saw it as well. I can't believe so and so was the murderer." And they go,
1: "Right, no, right. I can't it. believe I can't believe at the end of Avengers Endgame, Thanos wins everything." Yeah, and people will be like, kind of "Wait, what?" Yeah. <laughs> imagine
0: um, if you did that with more things
1: right i i thought that was really interesting and i, I you know it's funny because i was telling my daughter when we watched it i was like I, my kids actually both my kids watched it she was just the only one the play i said well originally they sent these endings to different theaters and people had different endings and then i was like is that real or did I make, because like, that one was urban legend things that now I'm just remembering later. But I remember at the time that being a big thing when that sort of came out, that people realized that there was different endings. And so I'm glad to know that I'm not insane or that I'm not just falling for the, you know, the Mandela effect, but that, that actually did happen. Uh, for my synopsis, I just chose what, if you watch it on video now, it plays all three endings. And at the last yeah. one, it says, but here's what really happened. So yeah. that's the one I went with in my synopsis because that's a hard movie to synopsize anyway. So I kept it pretty brief.
0: That's true. I used all the endings.
1: Okay, cool. Good, good. All right. Well, let's. uh, shall we jump into it then?
0: Yes, let's do this.
1: All right. So Clue, 1985, written and directed by Jonathan Lynn, based on the Parker Brothers board game, uh, starring Tim Curry, Christopher Lloyd, Madeline Kahn, Martin Mull, Leslie Ann Warren, Michael McKean, and Eileen (laughs) Brennan. Uh, And if you're under 30 and you're listening, you probably have no idea who any of those people are, sadly. Uh, But they're all great. So... Um, Okay, here's the story as best as I could could sum it up very quickly. It's 1954. A diverse group of people have been summoned to a mysterious dinner party at the mansion of one Mr. Body. They arrive using assigned pseudonyms, Professor Plum, Mrs. Peacock, Colonel Mustard, Mrs. White, Mr. Green, and Miss Scarlet, just like in the game. They're welcomed by Wadsworth the butler. When Mr. Body shows up, we learn he's blackmailing every one of the dinner guests as they all have some connection to Washington, D.C. and the U.S. government. Body wants one of the people to kill Wadsworth, the butler, but Body is killed instead. Maybe, maybe not. Then there's a whole lot of running around, a lot of rapid fire dialogue, a lot of people being killed, like chefs and people whose cars break down and policemen. And eventually, after the two fake endings, perhaps, maybe they're real, maybe they're not, we find out that every one of the guests has killed at least one person, except for Mr. Green, who turns out to be an FBI agent working for J. Edgar Hoover. We also find out that Wadsworth was the real Mr. Body all along. He draws a gun. Mr. Green kills Mr. Body in the hall with the revolver. And then the FBI storms the place. And Mr. Green has everyone who's still alive arrested for murder. And that is Clue. How'd I do?
0: Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. It's, uh, you got, you got <laughs> everything covered. Everything There's a covered. lot
1: of back and forth. And What's that? You got everything covered there, I think. Yeah, mostly. There's a lot of dialogue. It's a very rapid-fire dialogue film, and I just like I could spend an hour trying to synopsize it, but you could just watch the movie. But that sums it up, just to refresh your memory. So, uh, who's going first today, Phil? You or me?
0: Hey, I think, it's, I think it's
1: my turn. So let's yeah, yeah. yeah that sounds good. Um, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to do the uh, thing. Oh, let me also hang on for the live viewers. This is very important. Uh, you know, I've got to do the, um, the the graphic, the visuals. There we go. Uh, So all right, here comes the zoom. Here we go. Okay, here we go. Mr. Green is lauded by J. Edgar Hoover himself for bringing down a blackmailing ring that was threatening the very highest levels of government. After receiving a medal, Mr. Green returns to the FBI home office, but he finds that his daily work just isn't as fulfilling as it used to be after that first undercover assignment. So he asks superiors if he can be reassigned to the undercover unit full time. In short order, In short order, the undercover unit discovers that Mr. Green has an aptitude for fake accents, creating personas, and thinking quickly under fire. He begins taking on bigger and bigger cases, bringing down drug smuggling rings, mobsters, and serial killers. Realizing that a bigger network of collaborators could help, he occasionally recruits from fellow policemen and undercover operatives like Derek Flint, Frank Bullitt, and James Bond who all bring some unique skills and aptitudes to the mission that he learns from. Together, they stop madmen from destroying the world or crashing the planet's economy. But after 10 years of working in the field and risking life and limb, Mr. Green starts to realize he's getting a little too old to continue going out in the field himself. So he goes to Congress to ask for funding for a new unit, a specialized team of operatives that utilize the latest technology, flawless disguises, and risky tactics to infiltrate the most dangerous operations in the world. He calls it the impossible missions force. Sorry, I couldn't resist. And that is my ending. Oh, excellent.
0: I was quickly looking around and hoping to find a mask so I could just Right? That's what I was
1: thinking of the whole, you know. Yeah.
0: I want to be good if we could somehow swap places
1: right right and and here's the thing, just just because I'm a geek sometimes and I'm a bit of a nerd, but if you if you pay close attention, it lines up. The clue takes place in nineteen fifty four okay, and then Mr. Green, after ten years in the field, which would put it uh, roughly around nineteen sixty five let's say okay, so uh, the mission impossible t v series started in nineteen sixty six okay so. Are you making notes? What are you doing? Are you trying to out.
0: I'm working out the years ago. Uh,
1: So, so I just saying I tied it all together so that it actually ties into the start of the mission impossible TV show. I thought that was kind of cool, but I'm also a huge geek. So.
0: And that's, and that's how Tom Cruise was born. (laughs)
1: Excellent. I I did think about trying to tie it into Ethan Hunt, but I I liked the timeline working out for the original show. So I just left it at that, but I can tell you're not impressed, but that's okay. No, I'm impressed.
0: Yeah, and it's 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 some kind of impossible mission to tie that all in together.
1: Look, I'm just saying, I, I hope our fans, our listeners, our viewers, our listeners, everybody appreciates the attention to detail that we put into our endings. I know you do the same thing sometimes. So I don't oh, know I know. It, it is nice
0: that when you do do the dates and you suddenly go, I wonder if that would tie in. And right. You're, going,
1: you're like, oh, that yeah. ties together nicely. Yeah. It ties together nicely. That's all I'm saying.
0: Excellent. No, it does work. I Why can't it you not? just
1: validate me, Phil? Just validate my feelings. That was really good. Thank you. Is that so hard? Damn you, Brits, and your stiff upper lip. <laughs> oh, geez, don't do that.
0: No, no. Oof.
1: Uh, so for our listeners, this is why you should be watching live, see? Because you're missing out on filmmaking, scary-looking, painful yeah, faces. you don't want to see that.
0: You don't want to see that.
1: No. All right, so that was my ending. Phil, okay. let's go ahead and hear what you've got for your ending.
0: Right, okay. The alarm clock rang loudly. Trevor Johnson sighed as he turned it off. He got up and made some coffee as he looked around his tiny apartment how many times was this he lost count but it was well over 100 it was always the same friday in 1954 and he would be once again heading to new england for the dinner party as mr green (laughs) it would be the same conversations with the same people some would live some would die and he still had no idea why this was happening he had started changing more things He changed the things he said and the things he did. The last one he pretended to be part of the FBI and he'd even managed to sneak away and call the police and they'd come storming him. He hoped that one of these changes would break the cycle, yet all, all it seemed to do was alter who the killer was. It was crazy how everyone had motive for the murders. What galled him the most was that the invite had been sent to him by mistake. It was obviously meant for another person, but he'd gone along anyway as the ominous invitation had piqued his interest and his imagination. He'd had visions of writing a new book based on the party. He was toying with the idea of calling it, long story short, too late. (laughs) He looked over at the typewriter. He hadn't written anything in months. What was the point when everything was reset each morning? Trevor finished his coffee and lit a cigarette. Maybe today he'd not go to the dinner party. Maybe he'd look for a new cinema that was showing a film he'd not seen before. As the dinner party would still be there tomorrow. And that's my ending.
1: All right. I like it. I like it. So you took the multiple endings and you turned it into a Groundhog Day scenario. That yes. is very clever, my friend. I enjoy it very, much. Very, well very done. much. very well done. I like it. It all ties all in right. together.
0: And also, one of those things he invented the uh, impossible mission task force.
1: <laughs> right. Well, with enough so time other- to do it in. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And the timeline would work out. So that's very impressive, Phil. See? See how I did it? I complimented you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Nicely done. All right, there you go. So those are our endings for Clue, a comedy mystery classic, if ever there was one. Um, there you go. So let us know what you think. Let us know what you what you would happen in your Clue uh, after the ending. Yeah, something like yeah. that. And uh, there we go. Any final thoughts on Clue, Phil?
0: Well, also, uh, any listeners or viewers, let us know which is your favorite of the three endings of the original film.
1: Oh, yeah, good one. Good idea. And
0: also, if they ever do remake it, because I think Ryan Reynolds is a big fan and he keeps talking mm-hmm. about getting remade, who would you like to see cast in the different world?
1: Yeah, I feel like that's one that gets thrown around in the remake conversation every five or ten years. Like, every five or ten years, it seems to be in the pipelines like, oh, Hollywood's working on a remake of Clue, you know, and then it just disappears. But I feel like it's always sort of on the fringe, right? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. maybe one of these days they will. Um, the nice thing about that is you can redo Clue without it having to really be a remake because... You can kind of take it in any direction. Like you could do a straight remake of the movie, but you could also do a new Clue movie that is kind of like a new story, new ideas. You yeah, yeah. know what I mean? And that could work as well.
0: And it could be serious. It could be scary, right? Because I mean, there's so many. They have different versions of Clue anyway. Yeah, you, yeah, right. You could have it set anywhere and just
1: right. Yeah. All right. So, true confession time. When I was a kid playing Clue, the board game, I always had a crush on Mrs. Scarlet. Miss Scarlet always. Well, I think. I think most she people was, do. She's painted very beautifully. So I was like, yeah, "Yeah." I didn't want to play as her because then I was like, but every once in a while, I would be like, yeah, I'll be Miss Scarlet because then I can lovingly stare at her token. but
0: It's the Jessica Robertson syndrome, isn't it? Right, right,
1: exactly. <laughs> All right, there you go. So that's Clue, uh, and now we are going to move on. So normally this is where we would talk about whatever topic we decided we want to talk about, uh, which in this case is the Ghostbusters franchise and the new movie, but again, we're saving that for the end. So if you don't want to hear spoilers about Ghostbusters, don't worry, we're not doing that until the very end. So we're going to skip ahead. We're going to bring in our top five list for the week, and our top five list this week is... Our top five movie pet peeves. I feel yeah. like I should explain this one a little bit, Phil, because, you know, it was my idea. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> tell, tell the people why we're doing this.
1: So, well, here, here's why. Because one of the pet peeves that happened happened in a movie that I was watching uh, like last week and it annoyed the crap out of me. And I was like, ooh, that's one of my pet peeves. And I was like, ooh, we should do a top five list. And that's when I messaged you literally as it happened. I was like, top five movie pet peeves. It's basically like, just what are those things that you see in movies all the time that kind of annoys you? You know, like, there's just certain things people do in movies. You see them over and over again, um, and it's just like, oh, why are they doing that? Like, I don't know. I don't give away any possible, uh, you know, examples because of our, we're going to do our list. But let's say, like, you really hate it when um, – you know, a character talks to the camera, let's say, I don't know, something like that. Right. That could be a yeah. pet peeve. Right. I think you, that one's can be pretty clever personally, but whatever. So there's those kinds of things, those things you see over and over again, they're kind of cliched maybe, or they just, maybe they're unintentional, but they just bug you. They annoy you. Maybe it's not logical. Maybe it's like, yeah, I shouldn't let that get to me, but for every reason, it really annoys me. Uh, that's what our pet peeves are. That's what we're talking about. So with that in mind, Phil, do you want to kick us off? and Yes. Start your list yeah. With. Well, also,
0: it's it's, what it's the pet peeves as well. Sometimes the the kind of things because when you mentioned you were doing this, I was going, well, I don't think I've got any because it's it's you sort of going, well, no, and then but you start thinking about it and then suddenly they start all coming along. But it's usually as you did, it's when you're watching something.
1: Yeah. Uh, um, we have a comment, but I don't want to put it up until I know if it's on your list or not, Phil.
0: Oh, yeah, it's a good point. But, can you uh, see it? Don't. Yes. It's no. It's not. I've got quite a long list, but I thought because I can pick and choose.
1: All right, i only picked five i didn't know we were going for extras all right then i'll go ahead and share this comment we have a comment from james powell giving us a perfect example of a movie pet peeve for those of you who might still be confused guns that never need to be reloaded excellent yeah. wish i had thought of it i didn't although yeah i guess sometimes it bugs me sometimes i'm kind of like yeah whatever but it depends on what kind of gun it is and what the situation is um you know but if it's like somebody with like a an old west revolver and you know, they're shooting it for like 20 shots. Yeah, that totally gets that gets that gets annoying. If it's something with a clip, a lot of times I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know how many bullets that gun holds. I'm not an I actor. think
0: sometimes as well it's up to do with the it can be to do with the genre of the film as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, the, right, right. I uh, love it, yeah. Right.
0: But okay, so one of them is uh well. Oh, I listed to- my
1: I did mine in order, man. I'm counting down. <laughs>
0: one. Related though is uh, characters getting shot or stabbed. And then just walking it off, you know, they, <laughs> right. just, like, they go and put a bandage on, or somebody just dabs some water, and they get up and walk it off. And they just, yeah. And within minutes, they're just like punching people again or firing a gun, and there's no, there's no comeback. Even like they get shot in the leg and they're walking on it. Things, yeah, like that. Happens that... so much. And I, I noticed this one because I've been watching uh, the Bosch TV show,
1: uh-huh.
0: and in early on one of the seasons near the end, uh, his partner Jay Edgar gets shot in the shoulder, mm-hmm. uh, and he's just out, and he's out for the rest of the show. Uh, and then the next season starts is like three months later and he's still there. He can't lift his arm up properly. He's still going to physio. And right. I was going, yes, that's what it does. If you get shots. Yeah. Well, i have not been shot, but I assume. Right.
1: Uh, no, I know exactly what you mean. I always think about the, is this your official list or are you just mentioning this one? Though? I need to know. those
0: no, this is my top. My oh, official okay. list, I
1: so I, I, that's one that gets me. And I, I, I the one that I always, that related to it because part of that i feel like okay maybe if you're in shock you're not feeling the pain i don't know whatever but i agree with you on that one but i always see the ones where they're like in like these fist fights and somebody like pick up a shovel and like hit a guy with a hit him in the face of the shovel and like the guy keeps fist fighting him and i'm like I, i've stubbed my toe and ended up on the floor for like 10 minutes in the fetal position you know what i mean if yeah, you yeah. hit me in the face with a shovel with all of your might my face will probably break right like and i'm probably not getting up from that same thing getting shot or stabbed and you're kind of like mm. No, so I, I'm totally on board with that one.
0: But so yeah, uh, you get you get sure. hit with the back of the head by a, a bat or something. You're gonna be yeah, a, right on the floor, yeah. or you could even be dead or
1: conscious. right. Exactly, exactly. All right, we got a couple more coming in the comments? But I'll wait until I know if any of them are in your um, uh, in your tip pet peeves because they're pretty good ones.
0: Yeah, they're good. Them they're not mine. I know exactly what
1: you mean though. Yeah, All right. Yeah. All right, well, I'll share one of mine, and then we'll do one of the viewer comments, and then because yep. we've got two new ones in, and we'll kind of go back and forth a little bit. So uh, that was a good one, Phil. I agree with that. Anything else you want to say about that one? Do I need to – I didn't need to cut you off. Yeah,
0: let's just – I mean, there's there's ways around it, I'm sure. I all mean, right. sometimes when they go, oh, it was just a graze. Okay, for, that's a little bit better, but it's just – it's when you can see it's gone in, and they go, oh, it's gone all the way through. That's okay. Right, oh, right. There we go. If so yeah, you all have a hole in yeah. your body. Drink some whiskey. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I like it. All right, my number five. Okay, I'm gonna let me preface by saying this is the nerdiest one on my list, and this is the one where most people are gonna be like, I don't even know what the hell you're talking about. But it gets it gets me every time I see it. The rest of them are much more um, normal. Okay, but my number five is. Day for night shooting. Okay, so let me explain for those of you who are not film nerds like like Phil and I. There's a process in Hollywood called day for night shooting where they film a scene that's supposed to taking place at night during the day. And then they put heavy filters on it, usually blue filters, to make it look like it's nighttime. You see it in a lot of movies and TV shows. This is one of those things that I apologize. You're not going to be able to unsee once you start seeing it. The problem with it a lot of times, and you'll see it a lot of times in, like, westerns or movies like set like out in the wilderness or the desert where it's like, you know... They want to shoot, like, a scene, like, two characters in the desert at night. And so they shoot it during the day. The problem is you end up with these... Yeah, we just lost like three viewers. <laughs> one. The problem is you end up with these really stark shadows, like long elongated shadows that are so clearly the type of shadows you only get when there is a blazing sunlight out. Right. Not, yeah. not from the moon. You're not getting shadows like that. And it's so distracting to me because all I can see are these shadows. And I'm like, there are no shadows like that when it's midnight, like it's supposed to be in the desert. Even if it's a full moon, it doesn't happen. It's like, I, it, I don't know why that one bothers me so much, but it really, really does. I can't stand night for day, day for night shooting. It it always looks so obvious to me, and it takes me right out of the scene. So yeah. that's totally nerdy one, but my rest of them are much better. I promise. But that one had to make my list.
0: Well, just just related to that though, it's not. It's when they do shoot at night though, but they have just. It's usually in the usually in the woods of Vancouver, I think where they just have obviously have huge spotlights just either side, and it's just that. But it's but it's, I understand why you got to do that. But yeah, it's it's. This is the ways of doing it, but yeah,
1: there I are plenty of movies fun. where there are night scenes that look like they're shot at night. Yeah. You know, and um, I mean the movie Nightcrawler with Jake Gyllenhaal. The entire movie is takes place is placed at night, and it never looks like they shot it during the day. Like it doesn't. It's just so obvious when you see it to me that I it it like I said takes me out of the scene. Yeah. So no,
0: it's a good one. It's a good one.
1: All right. Well, we got some good ones coming in. Let's start with one of our viewer comments. We have from Ryan Cherokee. I uh, when somebody who wants to shed their own blood for whatever reason. And they opt to slice their damn yeah. hand open. Why the palm of your hand? That is such a great point. Um, And I had not thought of that one. But yeah, like, that's the part you're going to be using. It hurts like the devil. And, and then like, tendons? now, yeah, right. Like, why don't you just like cut like the top of your arm or something? Like like, like your elbow, you barely feel pain there or something. Or right? you slice or like, across
0: the thumb as well. And you go, no, yeah, right. I, I thing, hate yeah.
1: When I get a cut on like my finger or something, and then I'm like, I'm trying to type or like open a door the key or anything and you're just like it's always right there right i had a a cut on my finger right here at my knuckle joint and um i uh every time i've been opening a drawer for like the last like month i keeps catching on that and it hurts like the devil like why would you do that so that is a good one ryan thank you for sharing that one love it all right so phil that will bring us to your next one what do you got
0: Hold on, the phone is yes, ringing. <laughs>
1: there's one of my pet peeves when somebody's phone rings during a podcast recording. I know. Just kidding. Just kidding. It? We have do we do have some more coming from the viewers who oh, are going to share oh, them? In between. Okay. Yeah.
0: My next one though is uh It's when. uh It's when somebody coughs, and uh, to signify a person is ill, usually terminally ill. It's where they're <laughs> just going along, and somebody just starts going. Yeah. <laughs> right. You're going, you okay. I'm right. fine. And, yeah. stop no, up, you're stop and you're going, no, come on. There's other ways of doing it.
1: <laughs> right. That is a good one. I had not thought about that, especially in zombie movies. Yeah. Right? But, but even any other kind of any kind of outbreak movie or disease movie or whatever, it's always it is always a cough. You're right. Yeah.
0: Just a cough. It's everything anything else. It's just yeah, just always that cough. And you always know now. You see somebody doing it, you're going, Oh, they just coughed really for no reason. You're going, Oh yeah.
1: Okay. right Yep. Uh, they're gonna die. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's a good one. Um, My number four is the one that uh, that inspired this list. Um, And it is women dressed as boys or men in movies. Now, this is (laughs) not about transgender or drag queens or anything like that. It is when there is a character in a film who's supposed to be usually like a teenage boy or something. But, oh, surprise, it's actually a woman dressed up in man's clothing. And nobody in the film notices that it's not really a, a guy. Yeah. Even though it's always incredibly obvious to me, I I don't like who's not going to pick up on that. There, I can't think of a single movie where that's ever been a thing where I've been like, "Whoa, that person was really a woman the whole time." I I thought I totally bought that she was a sixteen year old boy. It, it it bothers me. It just. I happened I guess. I, Go ahead. I remember what? that in
0: Dragon Slayer, I think. Mm-hmm. Happened in Dragon Slayer. Yeah, quite a few things.
1: Yeah. It just happened recently in a one of the big new Netflix movies. I, this isn't really a spoiler because they barely even ever addressed it. So I'm going to go ahead and say it. It was in that movie, uh, "The Harder They Fall," um, the new film with Idris Elba, uh, and and, uh, and yeah, a lot of. I know other what you movies.
0: mean yeah. It's yeah. I know the bit, yeah. You know the part I'm, I'm talking about, right? The yeah, minute yeah.
1: she starts talking, she's she you know. So it's this girl dressed as a guy, she, so she can be like the bouncer at this, you know penthouse or whatever um you know and she's talking with her like sort of semi fake deep voice and she's like leave your guns at the door and i'm like well obviously that's a woman and everyone's like oh listen up boy and whatever and this is like no nobody's gonna think that person's not a a, a, not a female i'm sorry it's completely obvious and every time you that in the movies it's never convincing enough for me to believe that that anyone's gonna think that person's really a man so that's one of my pet peeves for sure that's my number four
0: that's a good one. That's a good one.
1: All right. Did you do another one from the... Uh, yeah, we got another answer? one from the viewers. Let's get... Um, we got one from James. We'll go back to another one from Ryan after that. But James says, this is another good one. This is why I love our viewers and our listeners. Hackers typing and the keystrokes don't match what's on the monitor. Scotty in Star Trek 4 is a perfect example. He makes five keystrokes and diagrams appear (laughs) what the actual app it's it's really hard to argue with that that's a great example James but in general that is a good um, one or also related to that when people are typing in like a hacker scene or any kind of programming scene they're clearly just going like (laughs) hitting the keys and clearly doing nothing and it's like that's not word you're not typing anything real in there you know but yeah sometimes they're just like I'll hit three buttons and it's like look I have projected a 3D hologram and you're like no 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 that's not how computers work
0: yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's like when they're playing video game consoles as well, and they've got the controller, and they're just doing all this. Mm-hmm. And it's just, no, even without seeing the screen, you're going, no, that's not doing anything. <laughs> right,
1: right. Unless maybe you're playing Mortal Kombat and you're just a button masher, but even yeah. then, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's a good one, James. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I like that one. All uh, right, what's your then, next one, Phil?
0: Okay, when the lift, or for people in the, uh, in the United States, the elevator door closes just in time, Mm. And somebody's getting chased, and they run into the the lift and they start pressing the buttons, going no. And the bad guy's getting there, and it suddenly just goes ding right, just, just doing that because that, that never happens. Because you press that button and then you wait, and you yeah. wait, wait.
1: yeah, yep. yeah, just
0: Oh, just gets me
1: i get that it is a very um convenient and lazy in my opinion plot device right like oh how do we get this person away from the bad guy oh i know we'll just have him run to an elevator and the door will close conveniently in time you know and it's like
0: yeah. oh okay. the other one as well it's it's closing and it's it's pretty much closed and then suddenly the, the hand does my oh, right
1: right 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 yeah yeah that last second like ting. yeah, yeah. The I know it closes
0: they, just so quickly
1: they don't really use elevators well in movies no, I think no. these days. Mm-hmm. Except for Devil. That was a good movie. By M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, he wrote yeah. it. He didn't direct it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was a pretty good elevator movie. Whole thing takes place, just about the whole thing takes place in an elevator. Yeah, so. I've
0: not seen that in a long time. I think I only saw All right. Okay. Good one.
1: Good one. All right. Well, my number three, actually, my number three sort of ties in with our next viewer one. So that's kind of cool. But my number three is it's sort of a tie, if you will. It's showing the needle going in and slash or showing people vomiting on screen. And what I mean by that, I don't mean like, I don't care. If you want someone to like stick their head in a trash can and you hear them going, that's fine. I never need to see something actually projectile come out of somebody's mouth. <laughs> Why do I need to see that ever? Who wants to see that? How does that make a movie better? It it doesn't, right? I get the idea. Just show them sticking their head off camera and making the sound or putting it in a trash can. I get it. I never need to watch someone go and watch chunks come flying out of their mouth. Same with a needle. I never understand, I never in my entire life, Admittedly, I'm squeamish about needles, but man, hundreds and hundreds of movies are like, okay, it's time for you to get a shot. And they go and they put the needle in their arm and they cut to the close-up of the needle going in the arm. Why do I not believe that the needle's going in the person's arm unless I see it in a close-up? I don't understand the need to show it for every time. It's just an injection. I get it. Just put a needle up there and then cut away, or just, you know, don't show it sticking all the way in. I don't understand the, the actual close-up of idiot. You have to find somebody, I assume it's a body double to get a shot of a needle going into their arm, like why bother with the expense? Just show the doctor, you know, the needle, pan up and have them, you know, wince or whatever. And then it's like, okay, I get it. They got a shot. I don't need to see it on screen. It bugs the crap out of me.
0: All right. I understand that one. Yeah, I can see that one.
1: And that ties into our next viewer one, which is also from Ryan, who says when somebody wakes up in the hospital and instantly starts ripping IVs out of their (laughs) arms and face without even knowing why they're in a hospital bed. I agree for the logic part of it. And also like, oh my God, I have had an IV before, not many times, but it's very uncomfortable just sort of like knowing it's in there. The idea of ripping it out it like makes me want to pass out yeah. just the idea of it. So these people who wake up, they're just like, man, 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 ripping stuff out of them. Like, can we settle down with the ripping things out of your own body? Maybe. Let's, yeah. No, let's especially as,
0: as he says there, when they don't even know sometimes why they're yeah. in there. So, you know, right. that's vital stuff.
1: Right. But I like, in the hospital. No, I've got to get
0: back out there. Yeah.
1: yeah. Right. But I got to come to the hospital. I'm going to take a second and look around and be like, hmm, what's, what's going on here? Why am I tied up to all these things? I must be in pretty bad shape, you know? Well, it's like uh,
0: it's like Dwayne Johnson's one and uh, one of the Fast and Furious ones when he's got the cast on, and mm, he's going, oh,
1: yeah. "Oh, we've got
0: to go, we've got to go." Okay, let's go. Are right, right. except let's that's
1: go. except that's awesome because it's in a Fast and Furious movie. So I let's I just be I clear. I knew, I knew you'd say that. Yeah, but yeah. Let's just be clear. No, one one, Fast one, and Furious movies can do no wrong.
0: <laughs> <we can> <laughs> oh
1: no 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 my friend they are infallible um all right so uh another good one from the, from the viewers uh what's your number i think we're at your number two phil what is your yeah, number two
0: Uh this one is when characters are clean or have perfect makeup in terrible situations usually post-apocalyptic some uh-huh. kind of things where they've been going through the dirt and stuff and they just they come out and it's either no dirt on them or it's just perfectly there and it's uh makeup isn't smeared or they wake up in the morning after being out in the wilderness and they're all perfect. Uh And you go, no, it just, we know what you you look like when you've been out there yourself. You've been camping and you're getting up in the morning. Your hair's Uh all like this. Yeah. Just got blotchy and things like that. Just do that because that's what we expect to see. It's more realistic if you do that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that one. Like I, you see that all the time and it's, you know, this, these people with the perfect hair and it's like, I get you're a beautiful actress and you maybe don't want to look ridiculous or whatever. But like at least give us a, a scene or two like that before your hair sort of falls into place. You know, they just yeah. wake up with the makeup and the hair is perfect and everything. And you're like, that is not what it looks like when people get yeah. up in the morning.
0: No. But also it's similar as well as when it's when they're on the run. And it's often a, a person with long hair where they go, they go, oh no, and they go to like some some sleazy bar or something called like a, a diner and they go into the bathroom with a pair of scissors and they see them cutting their hair because they got to disguise themselves. Oh yeah. And they look up in the mirror and it's something that's perfect.
1: <laughs> right. <cut. laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. <laughs> mm. All right. I like it. I like it. I approve. All right. And my number two is hanging up without saying goodbye.
0: Oh my god, yeah. <laughs>
1: This one, a good one drives me insane. Let me do a quick reenactment for you, Phil, because I'll, I'll just get my phone out here and I'll just say like, OK, um, yeah, so uh, sure, I'll pick up the kids. Yeah, no problem, honey. Click. Hello? Hello? Where do you go? <laughs> That's It must be so, so infuriating to these people. It's- it is in every TV show and movie I see this and it's like you get, I get it sometimes when it's like 24 and Jack Bauer is like, I got to go save the world and cut off a terrorist's head. I don't have time for this. And he hangs up like that's fine. I'm not talking about when you hang up on people. I'm talking normal conversations. Hey, how was your day? Oh, it's great. Can you pick up milk? Sure thing. Click. That is not how people end phone conversations. OK, yeah. most people can't get off the phone well most people are like okay i'll see you no i'll see you okay yeah i'll talk to you later bye bye (laughs) bye love you bye right that's how it normally goes but even if you're not you know socially awkward like some people are at the very least 99 times out of 100 when you hang up on somebody or you have an end of conversation with somebody you're like all right i'll talk to you later yep take care bye yeah not just like yeah sure thing i'll I'll be there for my kid's school play don't worry about it click no
0: it's strange it's because it's all it does it saves about a second That's what I as always I just don't
1: get it. What your running time of an hour and 43 minutes is now gonna be an hour and 43 minutes and two seconds if you just Mm -hmm. have somebody say, Okay, see you later, and then hang up the phone. Every time I see that, again, it takes me out of the scene because I'm like, What that person loves their wife so much they couldn't even say bye. Forget even saying like love you, which a lot of people do when they're in committed relationships. Not everyone, but a lot of people do. But at least say goodbye. Like, if I just hung up on my wife and didn't say goodbye to her, I think I would be having a conversation that was very uncomfortable that night when I got home. You know what I mean? Totally,
0: because there's all these people on the other side are just thinking, oh, I've been cut off. Right. Oh, I'll, I'll call them back.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That right. mean,
0: you know, in the middle of, like, some tense spy thing, you know, it's like, oh, they've just finished. And you call them back and their phone's going and you're going, oh, no. So if you just said bye, they wouldn't right. call back.
1: Right. If you would have no. just told me, if you just acknowledged this phone call was ending, so I knew I would not be concerned that something had happened to you. But As no. it is, I think maybe you got hit by an asteroid because you cut off the conversation so suddenly in the middle of our talk. Makes me insane. Yeah,
0: that's an excellent one that I didn't think of that one, but that's yeah, that
1: is really Thank good. Thank you. Thank oh, you. Yeah, winds me up.
0: Okay, my <laughs> uh, my number one. Yes, it's uh, it's it's kind of the same. So that's two. It revolves around action scenes or fight scenes, but it's when they have multiple cuts and also shaky cam for fight scenes Mm -hmm. and action scenes. Yes. Oh my God! It's like you want to see the action, you want to see Mm -hmm. the fight, and the best way of doing that is having the actors, the actors do it, but also or the stunt people do it, but have you know so you can see everything with Mm -hmm. like two or three cuts if need be, but don't have a camera just going right and can't see anything because I was looking there was one. That Reminded me of it though for like an action scene in Taken Three, which is rubbish. But uh, Liam Neeson jumps over a fence and it's a six second scene, but there's 15 cuts within that uh, of him jumping over the fence, right? Right, but so it's just all it does is just take you out of, mm-hmm. as we said, takes you out of the film mm-hmm. and, and infuriates you. with the shaky cam, especially in like was it Born Supremacy, where it was so prevalent, uh, it yeah, just, oh my god, especially because the first Born film was so good and right. fight scenes you could see what he was doing even it was quite up close and everything but you could see what was going on but mm-hmm. the shaky cam they think it makes it all dynamic and and works well but you're just going well who's what where are they what's doing this how has he done this and it's just it winds me up
1: yeah just, i get off
0: the time you just want to either fast forward or let's well, skip these days isn't it or switch it off i just right. it's ridiculous
1: yeah yeah no, I get it. I totally get that one. And see, I did my film nerd one first. You saved yours for last. So that kind of works out well as like bookends, right? But mm-hmm. but I get you on that. I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of the shaky cam stuff in general anyway. Um, but I have I have over the years come to appreciate it can be done well and it can be done very poorly. And the, what you're talking about is definitely the poor side of it when it's the shaky cam and the multiple rapid fire cuts, which yeah. I find obnoxious anyway. Um, there are definitely movies, especially in the last 10 years or so, where you watch them and it's like a fight scene and you're like, I literally have no idea what's happening right now. And actually, uh, uh, I mean, this is kind of a – not. Um, this is low-hanging fruit, I would say. But if you look at, like, the Transformers movies, right, by yeah, yeah. A, there are some of those action scenes, especially when it's robot on robot. Forget person on person. You're just like, what am I even looking at right now? Like, I have no idea what's happening on the screen right now. It's all shaky. It's all moving around. It's all – it's it's. T- four cuts per second and I cannot decipher what I'm seeing. And yeah. to me that is that is the cardinal sin of action movies. So I'm with you on that one hundred percent.
0: Thank you. Yeah I mean there was one thing I've seen it the shaky cam can be used to convey maybe somebody who's not very good at fighting in it or they're in a panic situation or they're drugged. Right. Or something like that. Right. But it's never right. used that way. It's just it's like they suddenly go, oh how can we make this fight seem more exciting? Right. Well, let's get really close and shake the camera so you can't see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Instead of just doing what, you know, what the martial arts films did, The Matrix did, and all these other ones where pull back, oh yes, look, we can see where they are in the space, how they react with each other, and we can see them doing the fights.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, that's the perfect argument, right? The Matrix, like, think about those fight scenes. Like, you can, you can see every single thing that happens, every fist, every kick, everything. You know, you know exactly what's happening at every minute, and they're considered some of, like, the best movie fight scenes of all time. So, like, why would you not model yourself more after that? Why would you model yourself after, like, the, the cheap, I guess, because it's the cheap and easy version. Yeah, Somebody yeah. is like, ooh, it's edgy now. But I agree. I think it totally ruins them. Mm. But
0: that's, nice. that's my number one.
1: All right. Well, mine, (laughs) my number one is not so lofty, but it is, it is hands down the one I see the most and the one that annoys the crap out of me toothbrushing. Toothbrushing in movies is an honest to God. (laughs) <laughs> A sacrilegious experience i do not understand what the hell people in hollywood think happens when you brush your teeth but it is nothing like what happens on screen because one of several things happens either they want to have people talking while they're brushing their teeth so they're brushing their teeth with clearly no toothpaste on their toothbrush right which is just bad dental hygiene and does nothing or my other the thing that really gets me is people are talking they're brushing their teeth and they go like this <laughs> and they spit it out and they just walk away and continue their conversation who does that that's like eating pancakes <laughs> with no syrup on it like you you spit the toothpaste out don't you rinse your mouth out i don't know anybody who doesn't maybe there are people out there who don't do that but i don't like to have gritty toothpaste residue in my mouth for the rest of the day i mean i like to use mouthwash just because i'm you know crazy i guess but like no we don't people don't do that and they, they're either brushing you know because they don't want to show there's no lather or whatever but then they just go and then they're like yep and let's keep talking and let's go to bed we're uh, yeah okay sure
0: especially if you've got a beard because i i have a beard yeah i've noticed but you you have to give like the beard a bit of a rinse because there's always been toothpaste and things there it's just yeah
1: yeah it's it's like why why can't you for if you're gonna have to portray a scene that involves toothbrushing? which first of all why don't you just set it after they finish brushing their teeth like people stand in the bathroom and talk to each other without brushing their teeth sometimes like married couples like sometimes we finish brushing our teeth and we just we talk to each other i don't have to brush my teeth to have a conversation with my wife in the bathroom right if there's enough room in it um but like i get what they don't want to have people with like a whole bunch of like real toothpaste right where it's all over and it's rolling down your chin and you're dribbling a little here and there like that's not very cinematic it's not very you Mm -hmm. know it doesn't doesn't portray your beautiful stars in the best light but like but it's so it's so obnoxious because like every time i see that i'm just like that is not what a normal human being would do. That is like a, if an alien came to Earth and was trying to impersonate a human and saw people brushing their teeth and tried to copy it so they wouldn't get caught. That's what they would do. Real people don't do that. Nope, Stop I, it, Hollywood. Knock it so off. Fun, yeah. Yeah. You don't need a scene of people toothbrushing. There, it, it, I can't think of a single movie where I've seen that scene where I felt like it is integral to the plot that these people be brushing their teeth right now. <laughs> no, no, no. You just don't need to do it. So that's my number one.
0: What if they're brushing the teeth, but they're doing shaky camp to show them doing
1: it? (laughs) Super edits. (laughs) (laughs) You know, all close-ups on the toothbrush. Oh, my God, it's so edgy. Oh, (laughs) It's the edge of the toothbrush. Yeah.
0: No, I think that's uh, some very good pet peeves there, some good ones from the the viewers as well.
1: Thank you. just
0: just want to throw one more. Yeah, go ahead. You
1: said you had some runners-up. Let's hear what they are.
0: CGI Blood.
1: Oh my God! Yes, I would. Oh, if I had thought of that one, that would have definitely been. That would have replaced my day for night. I hate. I hate CGI blood.
0: Yeah, uh, and also when various problems or issues, usually the pivotal point of the film or TV show could be resolved if people had actually just talked instead of going. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you later.
1: Yes. Yes. No. I. That's that one actually like gives me anxiety. I agree. I. I don't like movies that are predicated on a misunderstanding that could be cleared up if somebody would just open their mouth and say like one thing, right? Yeah. It's why I never liked that movie while you were sleeping with Sandra Bullock. Cause like the whole movie is predicated on like this one thing that she could have just cleared up in the first five minutes of the film. And I know it was a big hit, but I was like, I don't like that movie. Just, just tell people what's going on. That's all mm-hmm. I'm saying. That's it. Good ones. I agree. I agree. All right. So those are our top five movie pet peeves. We got some good ones from the audience as well. Thank you guys for sharing those. Uh, We would love to hear from more of you. What are your movie pet peeves? So drop them in the comments of whatever platform you are experiencing this in, whether it's uh, watching the video or listening to the podcast. Tell us some of your pet peeves and we'll share them on a future episode.
0: Yeah, it's a good list, that one. We should probably revisit this.
1: At some yeah, point yeah, for sure. I think we could think of a lot more, definitely. Yeah. Um, all right. So now it is time. Oh, let me. I got to update the banner. You know how it goes. I got to keep this visual thing rolling. Um, it is time now for ATE Recommends, where Phil and I tell you guys what we're digging on right now. What are we enjoying? What are we into? And it can be anything. It can be movies. It can be TV shows. It can be music. It can be games. It can be books. It can be food. You name it. It can be anything. So. We've got our recommendations, Phil. You said you had a couple. Do you want to do yours first? You want me to do mine first. How do you? Work? You tell me. Uh,
0: well, I'll do. You
1: want to go back and forth? I'll, what do you want?
0: I'll do mine first, and then you do yours. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've got two. As you My said, idea. one the first one is uh, a comic book, Berserker.
1: Okay. Nice. Uh, written
0: by Keanu Reeves and Matt Kent, and you can never guess—you know Keanu Reeves was involved.
1: <laughs> yeah. It it's a great like... uh, artwork
0: by Rongani and Bill Crabtree, but it's all about an immortal warrior, mm-hmm. uh, half-mortal, half-god, who's cursed and compelled to violence. And there is an awful lot of violence in this. It's very gory. He's been a, he's been around for 80,000 years, but he's now involved with the American government uh, who are using him. Well, he's using them, I think, but uh, using him to combat various things. And he goes in and he just basically just destroys things but also, he gets really badly burnt and injured, and bits get cut off. But they always end up growing back. But it's uh, it's we've seen these kind of things before. But I really like the way it's done and the way the mystery behind it all. And there's there's more going on than we uh, initially know. And the fact he ends up, it keeps building up where he has to be. Co- he has to go out and he becomes basically. as It's called berserker. He has to go go out and kill and destroy things. Otherwise, it will just end up just you know uh, making. Him worse and worse, but it's really good. Really like the artwork, great covers. I imagine there's a it's going to be 10 to a film. That's my first one,
1: very good. I actually read the first couple issues of that, so I I dug it, it was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I got got, got the collected issue, volume one of the thing. Uh, that's by Boom Studios. And my second one is a board game which has been mentioned a few times, I think, but it's finally arrived and I played it, and it's very good. It is Alien (laughs) Nostromo, nice, and it's uh. I it's
1: have my copy sitting right over there. It's <laughs> tripping
0: with theme. Uh, it's you know, it's all Ripley and everybody, and it's got Jonesy in it. But the way it's all, the way the mechanics work are super simple, but it works so well. It, it, every turn, you turn over an event card, and some of them get all the ones with involving the alien or Ash get pulled back in, and the ones which are just quiet eventually come out until your deck is just full of pain and horror. And <laughs> also, when you first open the box, the way the board's folded, it shows this. Yeah. which I think is lovely.
1: Yep, yep, yeah, I enjoyed that when I was opening my copy of it and I opened it up and there was Jonesy right in my face. I was like, that's awesome. Super and, well done. It's got a
0: great board yep. showing with the Stromo, but it's really good, good mechanics, really easy to pick up and play. Uh, it takes probably takes about five, to 10 minutes to explain the rules and you just go in there. It's got various different missions you got to do with the final mission. So it's very replayable. And if Jonesy jumps out, that, that means you Get closer to losing, but then you can pick it up and stuff. But it's, I really like it. It's lots of fun. Uh, and that's my two recommendations.
1: Very good. I, uh, I, I've actually um, experienced both of them myself and I like them both. So that is a, a, us- that's, a that's a rare one where we are like yeah. really dialed in like that. I like that. So I know oh,
0: Alien Fate of the Nostromo is from uh, Ravensburger
1: yeah they make good games I, yeah. I picked that one up myself it was actually on sale um a while back so I grabbed it when it was on sale because board games are hardly ever on sale it seems like um, at least the ones I want I should say so I, I grabbed it pretty cheap and um and I did play it once just once so far but I enjoyed it and it just looks great so good recommendation
0: and I got, I got this from my local board game shop which opened recently called Bulwark Games and uh, it's nice. very good so if anybody's around my neck of the woods go in and get a game and a good coffee there you go free awesome. advert not a sponsor
1: i like it all right i guess that makes it my turn then so um this is a hefty one so this is not for people who are faint of wallet but uh you actually that's not true because you can buy it separately but it is the like 12 pound box set um of this graphic novel series called orphans so Here's the thing with this. Um, this is published by Magnetic Press. I'm a big fan of Magnetic Press. I've supported many of their Kickstarters. And so it's individual books. And um, this was like an add-on for one of their last Kickstarters. It was a pretty hefty price because it's four $20 volumes, right? But it comes with a slip cover and all that. And I had never read it before, but I, for something about it, just said, I, I really want to read this. And I took the chance. I took the plunge on it. And um, it, is, it is, again, the graphic novel. You can see it has amazing artwork. Um, but here's, so basically the gist of it is this, it's kind of a take on, it starts off, I should say, it's kind of a take on starship troopers. Um, it is, there's an attack on earth from aliens far away and soldiers go off to find it, right? Very starship troopers. But what's interesting is the twist on it is that like three fourths of the earth's population gets killed and, um, they re- take all the orphaned children and start training them from their young age to become soldiers right so each issue each issue of the series which is 92 pages each issue okay um is split into two parts the first half is the story of them training as children the second half is them now as adults going off and doing their starship troopers like missions and now i've read the first two volumes so far and i'm obsessed with it um and the second volume just enter uh just at the very end ended with a twist that makes it very much seem different from Starship Troopers, but there is some connective tissue there. Um, What's fascinating about this series, this Orphan series is when I was reading the front matter in the book, um, it apparently, so it's an Italian series originally. It's been translated into English for the U S it was a monthly book, 92 pages an issue, which is basically a full graphic novel. They had different artists for each issue, but their style is they've all worked to keep their style very similar. So there's a lot of continuity in the art style and um apparently this this volume so it's four graphic novels it's basically the first 12 issues right but apparently this is just the first season um and there's five total seasons of it um which is a lot of books but they've only released the first season so far in this massive box set um here in the us so in english everything else is only in italy but again you can buy them individually so if you don't want to drop 80 bucks for the whole thing you don't have to um But I read the first book and I was blown away by how awesome it is. The artwork is amazing. The story is amazing. The characters are great. Lots of action, lots of neat science fiction concepts. Um, Just really, really great. And then last night I read the second volume and I loved it every bit as much as the first volume. So I'm slow. I'm sort of paring them out, parsing them out. I don't want to blow through it too fast because I know there's nothing else to read yet. Um, But if you have the wherewithal and you're looking for a really great comic book read, I cannot recommend Orphans highly enough. It's super awesome. So that is my recommendation, and it weighs legit like twenty pounds.
0: That sounds really good. Oh yeah, the it's sword. awesome.
1: It's really cool. What's that? What was the last part you said? Uh,
0: it's yeah. It looks like I've just had a quick look just on Amazon over here in the UK, and there's a. It's got some volumes. Yeah, some. It's got a few volumes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there's f- well, there's four out here in the US. Um, I don't. You being in Europe, you might have more available. The question is whether they're in English or not. I don't know. It doesn't like, like four. Really, at the minute.
0: That's a good one. I'll have to check. Yeah. That sounds, yeah. that sounds really good.
1: I absolutely loved it. It's great. I highly recommend it. So there you go. That's my current That's recommendation. Yeah. All right. Okay. So there you go. That's what we are into right now. So now we're going to get to our weekly topic, which in this case is the Ghostbusters franchise, including the new movie Ghostbusters Afterlife. So... We've talked about everything else we're going to talk about. So if you're watching or listening to this either live or after the fact, and you don't want any spoilers for the new Ghostbusters movie, we'll probably talk about that more at the end anyway. But if you don't want to hear any spoilers for it, you can stop the podcast now and you will not miss anything other than us talking about Ghostbusters. Um, if you have seen the movie or you don't care about spoilers, then by all means, please keep watching and or listening. Um, we'll talk about, I think the Ghostbusters kind of franchise as a whole first, and then we'll get to the new movie. So if you want to hear what we think about Ghostbusters, um and still don't have spoilers. We will warn you before we get to any real spoilers about the film. But I just wanted people to know that's where we're at. So, Phil, let's talk Ghostbusters, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you going to call? Who are you going to call? As you can see, I've got some Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters Lego. Ecto-1. Stay puffed, Marshall. I also life. have my
1: Ecto-1 right over there. Not far from my Alien board game. Look at us. We're simpatico tonight.
0: There you go. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Ghostbusters, I uh, – well, the first Ghostbusters film – 1984. What a film! I remember going mm-hmm. to cinema to see that. Mm-hmm. What Was it? I think it was the ABC in uh, in Wallasey. What was that the anyway? Yeah, it was a, an old proper proper flea pit of a cinema, as they call it. Where I think you had to. Yeah, but anyway, it was it was really good. You used to bring the ice cream out in the middle. Nice, like little intermissions and things. But yeah, the first Ghostbusters film, Lightning in a Bottle, really mm-hmm. Did, mm-hmm. did well. those was the script, the idea, the effects. It's just. It was so much fun, and it was just so that, – that little bit different. It had a little bit of – you know, it was a bit scary as well. And just – and it introduced – I think it introduced me to – that was one of the first things where I got to become aware of people like Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, mm-hmm. and things like that, to really understand who they were, and maybe delve into Saturday Night Live more than probably other things did at the time. Right. Yeah, but that's – I remember doing that. I also remember really loving the uh, the Ghostbusters cartoon. Mm-hmm. Was that the real Ghostbusters? I think they called the it. The real Ghostbusters, mean? yeah, yeah. That was always good fun. And uh, mm-hmm. then there was Ghostbusters Two, which, yeah, wasn't no one near as good as the first one, but it was still fun. There was bits which were really good, bits which just weren't that good. They didn't quite have that. As I said, the first one was Lightning in the Bottle. Didn't quite seem to be trying too hard in many places. And uh yeah, what about what did you think of those? Uh The initial ghostbusters
1: um well i mean i obviously i think much like you I mean, the first ghostbusters is one of my favorite movies of all time I, I again i don't think you can put it any better than lightning in a bottle i mean they just really captured something that worked so well i mean the movie was a phenomenon it's like i tried we watched it with my kids um I think last year during the pandemic and i i you know you try to explain to them like when the song comes on you're like you guys have to understand right like This song was everywhere. The the lines from this movie, the Who You Gonna Call, like the Ghostbusters logo on T-shirts and Lunchbox everything, like it was everywhere. It was a true pop culture phenomenon, you know? I think nowadays everyone knows Ghostbusters, but I don't know that people who weren't around for it can really appreciate just how ever-present it was in our lives for a good, you know, couple of summers after that movie came out, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. and I was one of those people. I had the Ghostbusters t-shirt. I mean, I, anything I could get my hands on for Ghostbusters. I was obsessed. Um, like, real Ghostbusters, obsessed. Loved that cartoon. I watched every single episode. I have the box set now that's quite hard to find. Um, they even did a comic book of it, a uh, short-lived comic book of it from Now Comics. Um, I only ever got the first issue. It was kind of hard to find. Um, not a lot of stores carried it. But I must have read that comic a hundred times, right? Because it, it was just, it captured the cartoon so well. Um, now, I... a bit of a soft spot for ghostbusters 2 i believe that ghostbusters 2 is actually a pretty darn good movie that suffers from trying to follow up one of the greatest movies of all time
0: right you're probably probably right yeah yeah
1: um i think it's better than a lot of people give it credit for it it is not as good as the first one obviously but i actually every time i've watched it over the years i like it more and more um it's got a, a little bit of a subversive sense of humor to it there's a lot of really great great lines of dialogue um, you know, there's a lot of moments that I think are really fun, you know, it's just, it's just, it suffers from comparison syndrome, right? It's never going to be as good as Ghostbusters, therefore people chalk it up as not being good, which I don't think is the case. I enjoy it quite a bit. Um, but, you know, I got to pick one to take on Desert Island, obviously it's the first one, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but the second one is a lot of fun also, in my opinion. Uh, remember, so, yeah. I remember the
0: first film as well, when it came out on the VHS over here, me and my brother, we got it, and we watched it, I think, during the summer holidays from school. I think we watched it practically every day. Yeah. And it was just over and over, and we just had, well, it still gets, even now, between my group of friends, uh-huh. a few of them, it still gets quoted. One of us says one thing, and there's- Oh, for it's, sure. It's, whenever there's a piano as well, it's just always doing a <laughs> <laughs> they yep. hate this. Just, uh-huh. just so many quotes, and it's just- And as soon as somebody says it, like a little look here, there, you know exactly what it is. It's
1: just, it's very rare that I will come across a set of stairs I've never been on before and go and not say, where do these stairs (laughs) go? They go up, you know, um, that, that is, yeah, it's, it's such a quotable movie and it is, it is. And I've been quoting it nonstop for, you know, what, what, how many years now? 35 years. I mean, that's just, it's, you know, same thing, right? You just, it always finds its way into conversations.
0: Yeah, whenever there's a Twinkie in in another film or TV (laughs) show, or I see one in a shop, although you don't see them as often here in the UK, but there's always, you know, what about the Twinkie?
1: Right, exactly. Tell them about the Twinkie what about the there's so yeah so many moments like that um so yeah i mean it's just a classic it is it is one of the greatest films of all time agreed uh, everything else since then has not necessarily been the greatest film of all time but varying degrees of success um so that brings us up to the 2016 version um the uh the call what's it called ghostbusters is it just called ghostbusters or it have something like heed the call or something yeah
0: i think they did try and give it a subtitle yeah but a, it was just called Ghostbusters initially, okay. anyway.
1: Right, right, right. So, all right. What do you what do you think about that one?
0: Uh, it's there's a few. It's it's not the it's not a, the dreadful thing that I've, lots of people were saying, and it's but it's I don't I don't particularly enjoy it, but it's nothing to do with the fact it's an all female cast. Mm-hmm. First of all, I also think it's it's more of a reboot of uh, the real Ghostbusters cartoon as mm-hmm. opposed to the Ghostbusters. Uh, original film, right? Lots of things because it's all very cartoonish. The colors are very vibrant, and things like the cartoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kate McKinnon's character is basically Egon from that the cartoon as well, he even has a similar kind of quiff, yeah. Going on with his yeah. But it's, it's the fact because all those people playing the Ghostbusters are good in the, their own individual things. Mm-hmm. I think the problem was the directing, where you even see it on the behind the scenes thing where Paul Feig was saying, These are so funny, I just don't know when to tell them. I can't say cut. I just let them go off and do it. Mm-hmm. And improv improv works well, but not when the whole thing is improv because everybody's talking over each other. Mm-hmm. And you're just going, Give us a chance to breathe. Give us a chance. This isn't uh, this could be okay, but you don't have to make everything funny because people forget the original Ghostbusters. It does it is very funny. There's lots of funny moments, but it's also telling a good story mm-hmm. about these guys and the humor comes up around it. It's, it's just Right, right. Just dreadful. It's just, it, and it's just, it's such a shame because in the right parts, Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy can be a really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they should have, do, they should have done, they should have had a proper script when they, they you know, act out these scenes. Let's do this. Okay, now improvise around that. Oh, that's good. Let's do this. Let's do that. Instead of just going, let's improvise the hell out of this because it just right. ends up being a bit where you're going. I can't, I can't take all of this in because. And it's not all going to be funny because not every imp- improvised thing is going is to land.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. agree with that. Um, I think that one of the problems with doing sort of the improv style of movie making is you lose the story, right? Because improv yeah, is about the joke, not yeah. about the story. Um, I, I will say that I, um, I actually, Paul Feig is one of my least favorite directors. Uh, he makes movies I generally don't care for. Um, so I really kind of expected to hate. The, the, the Ghostbusters from 2016. Again, not because there's a female cast. I actually thought that was kind of a, a good idea um, because, and getting upset about that is ridiculous and stupid and misogynistic. So let's not all be giant internet cliches. But, um, I think I liked it better than most people did actually. Uh, I, maybe because my expectations were low because it's a Paul Feig film. see so yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. thing. I can't be bothered to be misogynist because I'm too busy worrying about who's directing a movie. I'm way too busy being a film nerd to worry about being a misogynist. Um, like, I don't care who's playing the characters, who's directing it. Paul Feig, I'm out. You know, um uh i'm sure he's a very nice guy i just don't like his movies very much so my expectations were pretty low and i i think i enjoyed it quite a bit and i've only seen it the one time so again if i watched it again maybe i'd have a different uh opinion maybe i would you know kind of see more of the flaws but i think because i was kind of expecting it to be a, a just a complete train wreck like many of his films are uh, yeah. his films tend to like anger me or annoy me um and this one didn't really you know i liked some of the cameos in it i thought that was a nice nod um yeah, I, again, I I didn't love it, but I I actually like I said I I would have to guess that considering how many people will still to this day be like oh my god that's the worst movie ever which it clearly isn't I mean whether you like it or not there's way worse movies out there mm-hmm. um but I, I I say I liked it better than than a lot of people did um you know like I said I thought it was pretty good not you know not amazing but
0: I I also um, wish they, they hadn't done a reboot so I wish it had been another sequel you know right like 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 they originally always intended where they were going to have the Ghostbusters be a franchise. It was just going to be blue collar workers. Right, if right. They just, if they just stuck with that and just had another another branch of the Ghostbusters doing that, and there's another there's another problem. There's another uh, big evil thing coming up. Yeah. I just think that, that would be the better way to do it because I think that was another thing lots of people didn't like was the fact it was rebooting it. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. Is, is it going? Yes, this is going to be the new Ghostbusters going forward. None of that matters anymore. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Because yeah. people that people going, no, well. Because because that's the other thing which bothers me these days is we're going well, oh yeah, you like the old, you're a fan of the original, so yeah, your your opinion doesn't count anymore, right, you know? right, it's yeah. Everybody's opinion, you know, you've got to sort of go. Let's have a bit in there for the old school fans. Let's have a bit in for the new people. Let's do that. Get the balance right. right. But I think that was the big thing because because Ghostbusters, as you said, was a huge cultural phenomenon for lots of people. They wanted a, a little bit more of that. They didn't want an, an exact thing, an exact right duplicates of it but they just wanted let's have a bit let's have let's not just ignore all that let's, let's have that celebrate it but then go move on from there and carry on the story
1: yeah that makes sense that makes sense yeah yeah, yeah I get it um, alright well that's going to segue us nicely with uh, we have a, a viewer comment I'm just going to throw up real quickly uh, Ryan who gave us some of his good movie pet peeves earlier says he's out before the spoilers hit good stuff gents thank you sir Appreciate your you uh, watching live and commenting. Uh, I'm glad you thought it was good stuff as well. So uh, that will bring us, I believe, to Ghostbusters Afterlife, unless I'm missing anything that I can't think of.
0: Uh, well, I was uh, just going to say there was a, a video game from a few years back, right? and like, I've, I've, I've heard good years. things about
1: it, but I never got to actually play it.
0: Yeah, and that, that was a really good. That was a, a brilliant sequel to the other two Ghostbusters films because mm-hmm. it was it was Egon, Ray, Rankman, and all them, uh, Winston.
1: Yeah, yeah I saw demos mystery. of it at New York Comic Con one year, and I really wanted to play it, but I, I'm just not much of a video gamer, and I never actually get around to playing them. So I, I, I had all the I'd good intentions. I,
0: I don't recall <laughs> it was. It wasn't that long a game itself, but it had really good mechanics. it started off, you know, caption ghosts and things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but there was a good story it built up as well, and it, it had call, callbacks, but did did its own thing and was a bit different, which was nice. Right, too. right. I wish could remember the name of it, but anyway, yeah, it was a that was good. That was probably the best sequel.
1: Right, right that's cool i i there's also been a series of comics from idw who does a lot of licensed comics i've read a few here and there um mostly they're crossover issues i think they're like a ghostbusters teenage mutant ninja turtles crossover um i haven't i don't want to disparage them i've only read a couple of them they don't quite work as well for me i think ghostbusters is hard to sort of translate the the mix of the humor and the 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 ghosty stuff to to comic books you know i think humor and comics can be tricky sometimes um but uh they keep putting them out they must be selling well enough for them, so um, something's out there for people if anybody's interested. I've only read a couple, so I don't have too much of an opinion on them,
0: yeah. And I've just tried to find the name of the Ghostbusters game I was talking of, but there's there are lots and lots of Ghostbusters games <laughs> over the years, yeah.
1: That That's one got fun. a lot of press. I'm sure a lot of people who are dialed in probably have some idea of the one you're talking about, though,
0: yeah, yeah. And I remember we having one on the uh, the Spectrum, an old computer where it was just all pixels yeah. and things, right, like right. That. that was, that was right. good fun as a kid, but
1: yeah. yeah. All right, so that's going to bring us to Ghostbusters Afterlife. And this is the actual spoiler warning. <clears throat> if you have not seen Ghostbusters Afterlife yet, we are going to talk about it and we will, are not going to hold back. So now is your chance <clears throat> excuse me, to stop listening, stop watching, whatever. I promise you're we not going to talk about anything else at this point in the show. So if you stop it now, you're not going to miss anything except for us talking about Ghostbusters Afterlife and saying goodbye at the end. So uh, spoiler warning has been given with plenty of time now. So let's get into it. Phil. Now, I will just preface people by saying we talked briefly at the beginning of the episode before we started about the order of things, but I stopped us short from either one of us telling the other one what our opinion of Ghostbusters Afterlife was. So we really legitimately have no idea what the other one thinks about the movie, and we're about to find out for the first time. I don't know if that makes it more exciting for people. It does for me, (laughs) but I'm also, you know, I'm in the show, so I'm a little bit biased. (laughs) But um, So, Phil, what did you think of Ghostbusters Afterlife?
0: I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I thought it was a really good sequel. I liked the way they did it. You know, time had passed, the actual time from back then to now, they used that. The way it uh, had various characters in was great. Obviously had some problems, but uh, on the, uh, the the good outweighed the bad. Uh, a little bit, I, I wish the, the threat had been, hadn't been quite the same as, you know, the very first film. I can see why they did it, and it was kind of cool the way they did. But uh, I, I like the way they the way they honored Harold Ramis as well, Egon as well. Although I know tons of people online, some people didn't like it. It seems to it's some people seem to really not like it as well. One of my friends went to see it as well, and he said he found it just very boring as as, as it was. But it's, just, it's it was directed by Jason Reitman, who's the son of Ivan Reitman, who did the original. Mm-hmm. And I did find the first half, maybe two thirds, were very much a Jason Reitman film. It was all about the family drama, about right. introducing the characters, the town. And I, I really like that. It, that was one of the best things it took its time mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. didn't
0: rush into things uh just had it's, it introduced the mystery as well of the of this uh this little this girl this teenage girl trying to find out you know what's going on who was a grandfather and then getting fed little bits and pieces and just uh moving on from there and the mm-hmm. the uh the cast as well McKenna Grace she played the lead she was brilliant but I I thought everybody was really good although some had more to do than others Mm -hmm. but uh, I really liked it what about you?
1: Cool. Um, yeah. I loved it. Honestly, I, I, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was terrific. I, I, you know, you mentioned how he, he didn't take his time with it. I I think the first 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes, I was thinking like, okay, it's a little bit slow, but I'm enjoying it, but it's a little bit slow. Like they're not getting into the action, but I just felt like it got better and better and better and better as it went along. Right. Like I enjoyed it more with every passing minute, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, and it built and it built. And um, I thought it was, about as perfect as you could get for a sequel that takes place there that was made 30 years after the original came out i generally find movies when they do sequels 30 years later are always lacking they're always like well that was disappointing i really wanted it to be great and it wasn't and i thought it was great i i and it it kind of surprised me in some ways which, uh, which i liked like i didn't it wasn't sort of till the end of the movie that i was like oh the four kids are the four ghostbusters like i kept waiting for it to be more like Paul Rudd was one of them, you know, or like, you know, things like that. And it really was the four kids acting as the four Ghostbusters, Um, not the very end of the movie, but you know what I'm saying? Like they they sort of set out to, to, you know, stop things. I was like, Oh, I get, I see what they're doing here. Right. Um, I liked that. Like Paul Rudd, who I love and I, I, you know, I'm a huge Paul Rudd fan was more of a supporting character. He was not like, I thought he was going to kind of be the lead of the movie. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. and he, he wasn't, he kind of disappears even a little bit towards the end, but I'm okay with that because the movie's good enough that you don't, uh, there was the worry that it was like, Oh, the movie's kind of crappy, but don't worry. We got Paul Rudd and he's great. He'll make you laugh. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it wasn't that he was there to support it and he did it in a great way. But he wasn't the main focus of the movie. The main focus was on the kids, and that is dicey because if you get the wrong kids, oh yeah, yeah, be terrible. But they didn't. Like you said, McKenna Grace was terrific. The the little kid who plays podcast, I forget his his the actor's name, was fantastic, right? Um, and and you know the way some of them lined up right obviously mckenna grace is kind of the the egon of the group you know podcast is like the race dance of the group you know um you know the the, the girl was kind of the um what's his name uh, ernie hudson character you know and sort of finn wolfhart i guess would be like bill murray in a way not entirely it wasn't a direct direct yeah, i no, think a few
0: from... of them had a bit of mixing think, but yeah it was right it was... exactly it was uh, um, logan kim was podcast yeah.
1: yeah 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 he was great fantastic really 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 good um because yeah, his so character like-
0: could have been podcasts could have been really irritating, right? Him. They did him right, they didn't. Him- he
1: could have been super annoying and he wasn't. And that to me is good writing and good directing coming together. And that I, I really appreciated that. But what I also really like, what surprised me and that I liked a lot was um, they suckered me with the phone call with Dan Aykroyd, right? And I thought, yeah, yeah, oh. Well, that's all we're going to see of him. I guess we'll get a cameo from Bill Murray at some point and maybe a cameo from Ernie Hudson at some point. Right. So that when they then appeared at the end, right, I was like, oh my God, yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was like, it was like the moment it was supposed to be, you know, because I wasn't really expecting it at that point. You know, I'm sure some people were. Maybe people saw it coming from miles away. I was wrapped up in what was happening. So I didn't catch it right away you know what i mean and then when they did show up i was like yes 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 here they are you know that's a good Um, point
0: because if they hadn't turned up as well you wouldn't you wouldn't have quite missed them because as you say it still would have worked i think
1: right right and what i and what i liked was they did it in a way where neither team was useless Because of the other one, right? It wasn't like the Ghostbusters showed up and they didn't do anything and the kids saved the day. And it wasn't like the Ghostbusters showed up and the kids were useless and the Ghostbusters saved the day. It was like the combined effort of the two so that it didn't invalidate either group's experience. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, totally, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, And I will say I absolutely loved what they did with Egon's character. I thought it was an amazing tribute to Harold Ramis. It brought tears to my eyes. I thought yeah. it was very respectful. I mean, of course, the fact that he had to be CGI because he's dead. But the way they did it to make him a ghost, which is like so a little bit meta, right? Um, not having him talk. They didn't do someone doing his voice, which makes sense because he's a ghost, right? The, you know, him helping... Um, you know, Sophie, Sophie, I think her name was, um, you know, with the, the weapon, it was very tender Then getting the hug at the end from the mom. Like it was just so well done for this movie that did build this strong family element into it. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I thought it was the perfect way to handle it. It paid tribute to him. It was respectful. It was moving. Um, I thought it was well well animated. I thought he looked great. You know, it yeah, wasn't well, like yeah. super fake and cheesy. I don't know if they used any real footage of him as like a base or what, but whatever they did, I thought it worked great. I loved it. So that that to me was like the the high point of the movie, the culmination of it all. And I was just like, oh, no, I'm so in. I'm so in on this. You know, I loved it.
0: Yeah, I I, I totally agree. Yeah, it was uh, Phoebe was the main character mechanic. Mm. but I I really Phoebe liked that. Love. I also liked the bits earlier on where his spirit was just you didn't actually see him, but he's moving the chess pieces and. Yep. And then yeah. Show him, uh, Phoebe where she needed to be, mm-hmm. and she discovers the uh, his lab and the to- mm-hmm. and the light is moving as well. And that was that was the other thing because lots of people, lots of reviews and things online were, were complaining saying, "Oh, there was too much of you know it was all the callbacks to the original Ghostbusters, all the equipment, all this and stuff." And I was going, "Okay, fair enough." <laughs> but the and reason was- why we saw all the equipment and everything was because Egon had taken it and. It, right, it, it was all there because he was a Ghostbuster, that's why it was there. That's why they found this, this the PKE mate meter because he dropped it. You saw him at the start, he dropped it because he had it because he was a Ghostbuster. He was still right. using the same tech, he hadn't had a chance, he hadn't updated it because he didn't need to because it worked.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I thought that all of that old equipment and everything that they used made perfect sense in the scope of the story. Right. And that's why I like yeah. the story so much was that they, that it was like 30 years later, is this dusty equipment? We had to repair some of it. Some of it worked. Some of it didn't, you know what I mean? Like um, it all made sense, especially when you kind of get, when you revealed as to why Egon is here at this farm, I loved the thing inside the tomb with like the, 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 the sort of preset, um yeah with the packs and the guns you know where it was like as soon as something started to happen it would trigger the proton packs like automatically i was like that's a perfect egon thing you know i thought it was so true to the characters and that's part of what i i liked about it so much you know um, that, I that liked was good, yeah. when, when you realized yeah.
0: that was what was causing the uh the tremors right set it up and the fact it still worked all those years you yeah know, i've been doing all that it's, right it's really good
1: and I like the mystery of like, why was he this crazy old dirt farmer? You know what I mean? And, and, you know, the way that he set it up with all the traps and everything like, you know, and why he left his family wasn't because he was like a bad person or anything. He was just so obsessed with this end of the world thing, you know. Um, you know, if any if I have any criticism of the movie, which are very few, it's that, you know, I don't know that, you know, it's a stretch maybe a little bit that he would have been so isolated that maybe he couldn't have convinced the other guys or. Yeah, you know, I felt going. But I understand why they did it. I understand from a story yeah. perspective why they did. It. And they they had to kill him off because Harold Ramis no longer with us, right? So they had. I thought you know they made, they did it in a way that I was okay with. Ultimately, it wasn't my favorite. I don't like when characters are like you know, you know, bad things kind of where they're like, oh, that character made choices that I don't care for. You know, that's not that's not my favorite thing because I'm like I like that character, but. Um, you know, ultimately I was okay with it. But yeah, I, I
0: did yeah, I did find it weird the way Ray just said, oh, we didn't I didn't believe him. So that was it. He just went. Um,
1: yeah. That yeah, that was my one criticism. But that's a after pretty what minor. They've been
0: through, after what they've been through in the previous films, um right and then, um Egon's usually the one who's gone, oh this is the thing we need to watch out yeah, for. Yeah,
1: right. Well, they would just all of a sudden not listen to him. You know, it was a little bit of a stretch, a little bit of needed some extra suspension of disbelief. But again, a minor criticism for a movie that I just really Really, truly enjoyed. Um, You know, one
0: of the one of the other callbacks though, which I I thought was a bit too much, was just the uh, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Mm. I understood it because initially I thought because they'd released that clip and I was thinking, oh, this is just a promo. I understand, right, right, right. And I that had in my head that was just a promo, just going, oh yeah. I honestly didn't think that was going to be in the final film.
1: Right, 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 right.
0: And then when it was, and it just goes on a bit too long, and you're going, oh, okay. All right. But it, I still understand it still worked. It was good. You know, because I think the best callback for the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, though, was the, the faded advert the on the sign. side. Of the boat,
1: yeah, I like that a lot, too. Um, yeah, I, I you know what? I get that. I can see that. It didn't bother me uh, because I felt like it didn't go on too long. Like, I, I get what you're saying. That one scene goes on too long. But then, like, aside from at the very end when they're in the car, they don't really show up much more than that. I think if they had been yeah. throughout the rest of the film from that point, it would have been like, okay, we get it. Like yeah, let yeah. it go, um, but I thought it was kind of just like a little bit of a fun sort of you know thing. Let's have a little bit of fun with it, and you know, it. So that I, I get it, a valid criticism. Didn't really bother me personally, though. You know, yeah. uh, what okay. did you think? Go ahead, go ahead. No, go on. Go on, go on what did you think of the after the credit scenes?
0: Uh, oh, I liked them. I think I think that was a nice way of getting Sigourney Weaver in. it, yeah, was, uh, yeah. it was nice to see their relationship and mm-hmm. what they were doing as well. Yep, I think she would probably enjoy. I think Dana. Donna, Dana? Dana. Dana. Dana, she did enjoy doing that to Venkman.
1: Yeah.
0: But it was nice to see them together, but also it was nice to, to have her back and not not shoe her, shoehorn her into the main. Right,
1: right. Yeah. Because
0: it was, I couldn't understand why uh, Janine was there, because she yep. was like overseeing yep. the and things, but I couldn't yep. quite, because that wasn't, Janine wasn't uh, Carrie Coon's mother, was she? No, we never, found out. we never found out who her mother was. Did no, we? we
1: don't. We we don't. And that was my other disappointment. was Just you yeah. hope that Egon and and uh, Janine would have gotten together, but it's not. That's not a. That's just like a mm. fan thing. Like that's not a big deal. Yeah. No, but
0: I I like that one with Frankman uh, and uh, Dana. But I also yeah. I really like the uh, the Winston one. The fact mm-hmm. we see he has got this huge business, uh, and I like. I think. I think that sets up is gonna set up the whole blue collar, you know, different franchises of Ghostbusters. It
1: certainly I mean, it, it certainly gives them the option, I thought. I, I agree. It's like they show the car coming back in the city, they show them reopening the firehouse. It's like, you know, now if if they want to pass the torch on now to a new group of characters and and carry forward and be like hey this is the ghost place. so you can even have ernie hudson show up and not even have to have the other guys necessarily and have him yeah, sort yeah, of be yeah. like the the mentor or just even in a few scenes saying hey guys this is how it works you know i bought this place now you run it or whatever i think that could work moving forward so i i like that one a lot and i I agree with you 100 percent on the dana scene like it would have been really weird if she showed up in the film, especially because of the way the Ghostbusters don't show up until the end, like her being there with them in costume or something would have really been like Mm. over the top. Right. Um, But I thought it was very playful, very fun. I liked that it indicates that they're still together, you know? And I liked that both of the after the credit scenes were, while the the Hernie Hudson one um, sort of sets up the future, it also were they were both kind of there for the diehard fans. You know what I mean? They were both oh, yeah. really like they they because I I've heard that like the oh the new movie is just full of callbacks and, and fan service, and I was like I really didn't think so. Like I I thought there was very little in the film that was like just so directly related to the first film until the end. Of course, you know um, I didn't feel like they were trying too hard at all. Uh, but I liked it. Then they were like, "All right, here's a couple just for the you know for the long term fans. Yeah. We'll throw in some some goodies for them." You know. Well, I
0: think it was good though because it did introduce it because we were seeing it through the eyes of uh, Phoebe. She's a teenage uh, teenage girl. Uh, yeah, the main character was a was a teenage girl, which mm-hmm. I thought was great. Yep, yep. Uh, I thought she was really liked the character as well. But yeah. uh, I liked the way she was our eyes into this also. I it was there was lots there for people who were new to Ghostbusters. If you haven't seen a Ghostbusters film, that's the way. You were learning along with her yep. about what was going on yep. when Paul Wood's character, you know, gets the video, the YouTube video. Up of yeah, the yeah. yeah. I did think he was going to play the mocking me thing from his Conan days. When I, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I saw a meme about that on Facebook and it made me, it made me laugh. But um, yeah, no, no, I thought I agree with you. That was a good way to sort of, you know, um, to, to, you know catch people up on it but i agree i think you can watch that movie that i haven't seen any of the previous ones and and still enjoy it you know i think obviously oh, you get yeah. a lot more out of it from having seen the previous ones but or at least the original one um the one but, the one
0: thing as well that, that ernie hudson uh seen though the end wait they bring the actor one to the uh the, the firehouse where it's, it is the firehouse from the film is it just there was one problem it must have been like uh Dan awkward was improvised on the phone call or something because mm-hmm. he goes uh cause i noticed it in the film i think was that yuppie,
1: yuppie buying it up or something like that no he
0: mentions uh, that the firehouse is now a starbucks like oh that. so when it came yeah. up at the end going was going what well, he said it was a starbucks and I saw red letter media mentioned it as well on their thing it was right just, right right it's not a, it's not a big deal breaker or anything like right. that but it's just one of those things where you go oh okay it, I've been turned, it it's been turned it's been converted
1: I did wonder if the after the credit scenes were sort of filmed after the fact too. Mm. I did have that impression yeah. as well um, but you know look if we want to no prize it you could just be like eh, oh, he's yeah, just yeah. Mistaken. he thought it was a Starbucks but it was actually yeah. next door was a Starbucks you know what I mean
0: it's just kind of cute thing that uh, Ray probably say
1: right yeah. right exactly
0: a bit cynical now
1: again right right so um, all
0: right the, what do you think of the effects all the way through it as well
1: Um, by and large, I thought they were fine. I mean, I, you know, I know that this movie was a much lower budget than the last one. It was like 75 million versus like 160 million, which I think was smart. Um, but I don't feel like, um, the film suffered for it at all. You know what I mean? I, I do, I think it's going to win any awards for best special effects ever. Probably not. But, um, there was really no points where I was like, if anything, it just sort of had that, uh, kind of typical CGI creature look that you see in so many movies, you know what I mean? But, um. Yeah, I, I was. I, was I think jealous, it was. I think. I think
0: it was a little bit better though than that because it was. I like the fact the terror dog was a mix of practical effects. Yes. Yep. The way the way that was melded with the C G R at one end was really. I agree. I agree. It looked a little bit more realistic. Mm-hmm. even though it mm-hmm. is a big terror dog thing then right. some films didn't have that clean sheen some cgi gets on some of it but yeah i, I like yeah. the way cut between the two it was a nice mix
1: i agree i like yeah i like that for sure i did notice that when i was watching that they were practical in the close-ups and i i liked that which was a nice throwback to the original i you know, also
0: original. jumped as well a couple of times especially when the trap first opens and mm-hmm. the that you know paul rudd's just tapping it and it's yeah sh- I, yeah. did jump. I
1: did jump. Uh, I did too. And there was another one later in the film too that was also a good jump. And I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> Ghostbusters getting a few jump scares in. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah but, uh, sure. I think Finn Wolfhard, though, he had the, the least kind of... I think his character was... I would like to see him do a bit more, but it's, I think there was a few, you just have to juggle around a bit, but
1: yeah, he might've been a a victim of the writing too. I think Mm -hmm. in that he's sort of the straight man in a way, and there just isn't that much for him to do. I think um, Phoebe and podcasts were really kind of the focus. So he was there more to like, you know, drive them around and be the older brother. I don't, you know what I mean? I don't, I just, he didn't, I don't think he did a bad job from a performance standpoint. I just don't think he had a lot to do, you know? Yeah. 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 I thought Carrie Coon was terrific also as the mom. Oh, yes, she was very good. I, I her. love her anyway. She's great in everything. And it's funny. I spent the whole movie going, who is that? She looks familiar. It's not Jenna Elfman. Who is that? Like, I just couldn't, because she's one of those actresses who just disappears into every role, you know? And then as soon as the credits went up, and I was like, oh, of course, that's who it was. It was Carrie Coon. Like, she's just so, like, you know, you just sort of, I don't know, she's so talented. But, um, yeah, the whole movie, I could not figure out who she was. And then and I was well, like, that's who it was.
0: Well, I was watching uh, the bit when or appears. Mm-hmm. And it was Goza was voiced by, I recognize the voice because it's I'm gonna get her name wrong, but it's
1: Shora Shora Abdashlu, yeah. Shora yeah. Abdashlu
0: from the expansive stuff because her voice is just gorgeous. I and mean, when right when I interviewed at New York Comic Con as well, just the way she talks, but I recognized the yeah. voice straight away. But watching uh Goza, I was going, Who is that? Who's playing goes? I just couldn't place it. And it was afterwards, I think it might have been my brother said, Oh, it was Olivia Wilde, and I suddenly went, That's who it was, yes, yeah, Olivia Wilde,
1: right, 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 yeah
0: watching it i just couldn't figure it out but it's, yeah. but I, yeah. I look she totally looks so effect- different you know oh totally yeah but i love the effect of gozer walking out to the the uh the cornfield as well mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. taking on form and becoming solid
1: yeah yeah Some yeah really no. nice picks, it? agreed agreed all right so there we go our little deep dive into the ghostbusters franchise including our spoilerific uh review of ghostbusters afterlife i'm glad you enjoyed it i may have enjoyed it a little bit more but it sounds like we both really liked it oh yeah
0: Um, yeah. i think we both both on the same page with that
1: one yeah yeah for sure they did a great job so if you haven't seen it yet and well if you haven't seen it yet we've just spoiled everything but um go see it or uh you know tell your friends to go see it or whatever i I think it's really worth it i know some people have had complaints about it um but I i loved it i loved it thought it was fantastic uh, spoiler alert, it'll be my top ten films of the year when we get to that. Oh,
0: okay. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah, we'll have to start doing it so at <laughs> the end of the year. Yeah, yeah,
1: I figure we'll do it in January. That's when we usually do it. So
0: yeah. well, but let us let us know what you think of the film as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. You're watching, right. Let us know. Um,
1: all right. Well, we've gone long, so I think now's a good time to start wrapping things up. So if you're still listening, still watching, whichever it is, um, thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking with us. Uh this was a fun one to do. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, that's gonna wrap us up. Phil, anything you want to add?
0: Uh, I think that's it. But yeah, just let us know what you think of the Ghostbusters film. Think let us know what other films which have been sequels to old properties have worked well and which ones haven't. Yeah. Because they, they seem to be doing more and more now. So but something right. yeah, I think this one shows how you can do it well. You can honor what's gone before, but also bring in new fans. That was one other thing. Yeah, it was nice that it wasn't set in New York City.
1: Yes, so, agreed. Yeah. Right. Something different. I like that for sure. All right, great. So that is going to bring us to a close. So I will say thank you, everybody, very much for listening. We appreciate it as always. I'm Mike Spring.
0: And I'm Phil Edwards.
1: And we'll see you next time.
0: After the ending.